0: Happy Wednesday, everyone. This is Rob with episode number 102 of Shut Up and Grind. Today, we're going to talk about how to go from ordinary to extraordinary. We're going to get into this. How are we doing? This is Rob Foster with RBF Fitness and Nutrition. the value that you bring to the marketplace. You know what your passion is, you know why you do what you do. So racism, it's out there, but it doesn't have to stop you. Just because somebody might look at you a certain way, that doesn't have to stop your forward progress. That's where you have to eliminate the excuses. You gotta make that game plan, say for me to get to that point.
1: Alright, so I had a laundry fail today because you guys
0: I know the downside of doing doing live feeds is I, I kicked the mic and it, it shut it off. So as I was saying before I brutally interrupted myself, so I had a laundry fail, because you guys know I like to rock my tank tops. But uh, I ran out, and so I had to rep. What side? This side. I had to represent Under Armour today with just the the sleeveless. So, got to bear bear with me on the attire. I know I like to stay consistent. All right. So you guys know about the new show The we gotta get deep with Robert B. Foster. That one's going pretty well so far. I had a guy, uh, ind- indirectly insult me on the last show, but that's okay because you guys know I'm quick wit and I. Put them right in check. But uh, if you haven't checked out that one yet, it's Weboutagittdeep.com. That's where we talk about all the controversial stuff. This show is all about uplifting you. So if you're someone that's stuck in a rut, you're trying to get to, to the next level, whatever that looks like for you, that's what this show is for. So this is episode 102. And if you're new to the channel, we have 101 other shows that can help you get out of your own way and how to step into your greatness. So today, I got a rock star coming on to the show, like an actual rock star. So I looked a little bit into this guy's backstory, because you guys know I like to keep it. See, now I'm just making stuff up because I X'd off of his, <laughs> of his bio. <laughs> All right, so you guys know I like to get deep into people's backstories, and I like to do it in their own words. So when he, when he first came on, I was like, so, where are you from? He's like, did you look at my bio? I was like, no, I didn't, <laughs> you know, because I like the story to, to come up organically. But he's done so much, I actually want to read this. So he's a father of three. He's a best-selling author, serial entrepreneur, international renowned business speaker, two-time nationally syndicated radio host. And this is where he caught me, former All-American track and field athlete. We're going to have to talk about that because so was I. So welcome to the show, Mitch Graf,
1: well, Robert hey, Foster, how you doing?
0: <laughs> Great, thank you. How you doing today?
1: Besides having 97 degree weather here in Oregon, not doing bad, not doing bad. Going <laughs> how, how, to 110 on Sunday. <laughs> that's insane. How's the
0: How's the humidity there?
1: We have a lot of humidity because it's a very fertile valley. We live in the Willamette Valley, and we're known wow. for crops here. So, yeah, when it gets about 85 degrees, you definitely can feel it. 110, no one's going to be outside, I guarantee you. That. That's that's what I'm saying,
0: because here, if it gets like 95 and humid, it's insane. So oh, I couldn't, I, know. I couldn't imagine another 15 degrees on top of that.
1: So for a year and a half, we've been forced to stay inside. Now people are wanting to stay inside across yeah. the country. We're not <laughs> exactly. the only ones. I, I'm not complaining at all, but there's yeah. a lot of places that are hotter than we are. But you it's know, funny same. but after 16, 18 months, forced to stay inside, now we want to stay inside. Exactly.
0: I have friends out in California, and same, same thing, they're saying 110, 112, oh, like yeah. craziness. So you guys can keep that. I'm, I'm glad it's summer here, but we, <laughs> we, don't,
1: we don't need all that. <laughs> I, had a, I had a wardrobe failure, too. But I, I, I do this for a reason. I believe that every day is a Saturday with the right mindset, with the Love right it. approach. So I wear Hawaiian shirts three or four days a week. True nice. story.
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, like when I was first getting into this, people were telling me, if you want people to take you seriously, you know, you can't be coming on with a tank top. And I said, challenge accepted. <laughs>
1: Here you are Here yeah you
0: are. <laughs> like challenging stuff, but I'll, I'll hike the sleeves up even more. Let's do this. There you go. <laughs> so my sister is on. she says good morning. Good so morning
1: sis. How you she, doing?
0: She just said little brother, but you know, I'll include you too so okay you know? <laughs> All right, so let's get into this. So in you know say 60 seconds or less, if, if you had to describe yourself and you only had one minute to describe yourself,
1: who is Mitch? You said it first right off the bat, daddy of three. That's by far the most important thing that I do. I'm 59. I have a 16, 14, and a seven-year-old, so I'm going to be about 72 when my youngest kid graduates high school. That forces me to really be uber-efficient what I do. I own four companies. I do have two nationally syndicated radio shows that are broadcast together about 50 stations across the United States. Uh, I write books. But I have the 24-7 mentality, which means 24 hours a week, seven months a year. And I know that sounds weird. We can talk about that later. But I want to be as efficient as I can with everything I do to make sure the things I do are the right things, the things that bring me the biggest ROI so I can spend time with my kids. i got a beautiful tree, Robert, right in my backyard. I see it. I like staring at that sometimes. And (laughs) the way you can do that is if you have the time. Uh, And so every day I'm looking at ways to be more efficient with my time so I have time to do the things I want to do. 60 seconds.
0: Nice. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love it. So were you born in Washington? I mean, Oregon. Sorry. No, I
1: was, uh, I was born in Yuma, Arizona. My dad was civilian Navy. So the first several years of my life, we every six months or a year, we were bouncing around somewhere different. But we settled in a town called Ridgecrest, California. And my dad retired there. He worked about 25, 30 years there middle of desert and it was 110 in the winter time. And that was just like a cool day. But that's where I uh, went to high, uh, through high school, through my sophomore year, beautiful. I did very well in sports there. I was on the varsity teams as a freshman and a, and a sophomore. And then my mom got remarried and moved us to a little town called Steamboat Springs, Colorado. I graduated with a class of 67 people. Wow. Uh, so I went from a big, uh, a, a big fish in a big pond to a nothing in a little pond. But I tell you, I'm glad we made that move. And uh, even that had some life lessons in it. So I graduated Steamboat Springs, wanted to run track and field. And I decided I wanted to compete at the University of Oregon, which at that time was one of the best track programs in the world.
0: I think it still is.
1: It still is, yeah. So I went there my freshman year, tore a hamstring, actually at the national finals after my senior year, tore a hamstring rehabbed it all my freshman year never re, never healed couldn't renew the scholarship so i transferred back home and the head coach at colorado state called and said hey even with an injured hamstring i think you can compete in the whack and if you can't compete anymore i can use you as a coach so i finished out my next three years uh as a student coach for the sprinters yeah. because my hamstring never recovered so um and then i moved to Idaho for about twenty years. I've been here about fifteen years, so definitely a West Coast guy. I know you're a Rhode Island guy, East Coast guy, but I'm a West Coast guy, true and blue. Things are slower out here, a little more meticulous, in everything we do, we talk slower, you know. But uh, and I kind of like it that way.
0: Yeah, Rhode, Rhode Island's really not not that bad. I mean, if you're from like Providence or yeah. or, or Pawtucket, where it's a little more city, I'm just below Providence in Cranston, but it's it's pretty peaceful. I grew up in the woods. So like I'm, I'm all about, I grew up in a very, very rural environment. So I, I like the woods. I like the quiet. I like the sounds of nature. It's like, I like all that. I'm not about that hustle and bustle life. And but, I want to
1: raise my kids in that same environment that you were but, raised in, that I was raised in where my seven-year-old can go out with her bike and ride on the street. And I feel okay about it because the next yeah. nearest neighbor we have is quarter mile that way and a half mile that way. <laughs> exactly. So uh, there's there's value to raising your kids that way.
0: I agree. So I wanna I wanna dive in, into your track and field mind for, for a minute because I, I know for me, so in nineteen ninety-two, I had like a provisional scholarship to the University of Rhode Island. Like if I played I think it's called the IC4A, like if I placed in that meet, then I would get I think it was like a two-thirds scholarship. What
1: was your event? What was your event?
0: Uh, I jump, triple jump, long jump.
1: Oh wow, okay.
0: Yes. And so I was pretty solid in all three of them, but I felt like my best shot was in the triple jump, e- even though the high jump was like my main focus, but I just felt triple jump. It's easier to gain three feet in the triple jumps than it is to gain three inches in the high jump. Right, exactly. So, yeah, you know, yeah. so so I was just putting all my effort into that, and then I ended up landing kind of stiff-legged on the first phase of one of the jumps, and I ended up popping my knee. Ah, and, yeah. and, and then the next year... So now this was like right after I graduated. So the next year, like like I rehabbed the entire year, got into the junior Olympic circuit, mm-hmm. and I made it all the way to the nationals. Like I, like I made it to all American status, but then I think the bar was at six ten and three quarters. I want to say <laughs> in the high jump, and <laughs> yeah, it was up yeah. there. Yeah, and I planted the jump, and I just collapsed. And like, I just couldn't do it, you know, with, with my, with, with, with my knee, like I didn't have a heart attack or anything, Right. Right. but that stayed with me well into my early thirties. Like I had such a hard time getting over that. So how did your injury affect you?
1: I pouted for a long time, right? Because just like you, you see yourself accomplishing certain things, certain goals. And when that's not possible, it's, it's hard to let go especially as an athlete. But I tell you the biggest lesson I've learned from being a sprinter, my job, I did the 400 meters, that was what I specialized in, but I also did the Man. 100 and 200. My job was to get as fast as I could from point A to point B. Yeah. That's it. As efficient as I could, as fast as I could with the least amount of resistance. And so just that principle right there, I've applied to the rest of my life, right? <laughs> Cuz even today, I want to make sure I get things done as efficiently as successfully and as fast as possible so I can move on to the next thing and the yes. next thing. And once those things are done, once the stuff is done, then you have this block of free time. And that's where that 24-7 mentality comes in. This is something I've been trying to live for 25 years, 24 hours a week, seven months a year. And I, I tell that to people and I go, well, that's just pie in the sky. That's not possible. It's like, well, you know, there's, there's, I'm, I'm successful half the time. I work 24 hours a week, seven months a year. There's times that I don't. There's times I work 60 hours, but that is my shining beacon on the hill. Every day when I get up, I ask myself, what's the 5% of stuff that I need to do to bring me the biggest bang for my buck so that I don't have to work? And I'm not lazy by any stretch. I really am not. I get a lot done with my time, but I don't want to work a second longer than I have to because I have so many hobbies myself, my children. That's where that's where my magic happens And I don't want to miss a moment. You know, there's you and I are having a moment for about an hour this morning. When I'm done with you, I'm going to go spend a few moments with each of my kids. And those moments are precious. We don't know when those moments are taken away from us. But uh, it was hard. I pouted. But it got to a point now, it's like, you know what? It's just a failure. And like in business, you got to experience failure before you truly can have success. And I've, I've failed so many times. I've been knocked down 100 times, Robert. But I've gotten up a hundred. You know, as long as you get up that one extra time, life is sweet, life is good. And uh I, I think failure and knockdown is one of the best lessons that anyone can learn, not just in business, but in life. You know,
0: I I agree. And I love that you said that you applied it to life. Because like when I ask these questions, I always look for that for like what's that one lean-in moment? And then yeah, when, yeah. when you said it, I was like, that's it right that's there. Because yeah. that's how I was able to finally move past it. Because I stopped being selfish. It was woe right. is me, woe is me. I didn't reach my potential. I didn't make it to the Olympics. It's like once I sat back and, and said, What's the lesson here? What is the lesson? Because I put everything into that. I wasn't dating, you know, like I wasn't doing <laughs> I, I put I put everything. Like
1: I broke That's up. serious when you're not I, dating. That's I serious broke stuff. up
0: with a girl because <laughs> she said I was training too much. So I let her go. <laughs> you know, I was like, uh-uh. I was like I was zeroed in. But I say, once I said, you know what? It's not about you. So what can you do to help others? And then, so once I got into coaching, I started using that story to help other people like seize the moment because you don't know when that moment's going to be taken away. So you got to give everything you have into it now, and then transferring that into life, it's the it's the same exact thing. Like you, like we're talking now, one of us could not be here tomorrow. We have no idea. So it's like we have to put our very best into the world today. That's all we have.
1: When I lost my dad during COVID, it wasn't because of COVID, but he was mid 80s, had some underlying conditions and we almost weren't able to say goodbye to him. He lived locally. He moved from Arkansas out here to be close to his grandkids. And thank goodness we all were able to go and say goodbye. And I was with him when he took his final breath. Cool story. Uh, He was a serious fisherman, and he he gave that to me. I I still am that way. and I'm giving it to my son, who's 14. Uh, When he took his final breath, the song, You and Me Go Fishing in the Dark. Remember that? Nitty-gritty dirt band? That was just playing in the background, unplanned. It just was on the radio. It came on, and it's like, how appropriate is that? To have that moment with him, and yes, we... Bald like babies. When that song came on, it's like, oh my gosh! But you realize that you know what? Every single moment has value, and if you rush through the moments, if you're a sprinter through life and you just get to the finish (laughs) line, you forget to enjoy. It really isn't about the destination; it's about the journey. And when you're training to jump six foot ten, which is (laughs) way up there for me, uh, you don't do it one day. It takes little bitty. Uh, little bitty goals every single day, right? You don't say, I'm going to lose 40 pounds. You say, I'm going to lose one pound this week. Yeah. next week, I'm going to lose one more pound. And that's how you become successful. And yes. sometimes you're going to gain two pounds, right? Yep. But then you get back on the horse and say, okay, I'm refocusing. I'm going to do that mini bite of the elephant, one pound this week, one pound next week. And I think that's a mistake that a lot of people make. And that's not just in business. It's just in life. People think that they have to have these big lofty goals. You know, I want to be an All-American. I want to have a million-dollar business. That's not how you become successful. You do it one day at a time, one moment at a time. Yes. Making sure you're maximizing your your gift that you have.
0: Yep. You crush each day. I just want to share something really, really quick about how you just shared about your dad. And I uh, think my sister's still on too. She can attest to this. So our dad died just before COVID. He died November wow. of 2019. But I get like I can talk about it and I, and I can tell the story because he always told us like, He's a, he's an engineer. The man could build anything. And he, he would always tell us like once he got to the point that where he couldn't use his hands, that's when his time on this earth was go, was going to expire. And so he started getting sick. You know, he started getting, you know, he, he lost a lot, lot of weight, you know, was getting winded easily. He had stage four heart failure. Mm-hmm. And, and so mm-hmm. it was getting to the point where we had to make, make a decision. They could do a risky procedure and if it works, you know, he it, he could extend them, you know, two to five years, potentially. Right, right. But yeah. they could do it and we could still lose them. So, but in, without batting an eyelash, he's like, let's do it. And we're like, are you sure? He's like, let's do it. And let's then it. the day before the surgery, he and my son, who was a mechanic, they fixed my mom's car. And then he then he goes to the hospital. So, you know, so long story short, he ends up getting getting in, into a coma. And then while he was unconscious... I'm sitting there just thinking to myself that this is this is how how he wanted to go. It's like it's like he he didn't exactly. want to be 90 with a walker on an oxygen tank, you know, or living in a nursing home or having people waiting on him hand to foot. Like he he never wanted that. Right. So once he passed, I was like, this is perfect because there were there were three generations around him. <laughs> you know, it's like almost all of his kids. I want of seven kids. My one sister couldn't get there, but six, six of his kids, my mom was there. We had cousins. He had grandkids there. That's
1: great. That's great.
0: Yeah. So Like they, they were able to unsedate him enough to where he could be, be responsive. Right. Like he had tubes all in him, so he couldn't talk, but he could shake his head. Yes. Shake his head. No. So we all got to say, say goodbye. He knew what was happening. You know, we, we stopped, stopped support. You know, we watched them go. And then once COVID hit, you appreciate that moment even more because exactly. now people are dying alone, you know, that their families can't go visit them. So was, I'm actually grateful that he passed when he passed.
1: Now, those are very similar stories that you had with your dad and my dad. And yeah. there's a lot of stories out that like that around the world, you know, uh, just yes. uh, and it breaks your heart. But death happens every day. COVID just sped up the process quickly you know we had what yeah. six hundred thousand people in the united states and it's still going yeah. um but we have lost every single day it's a loss of a parent it's a loss of a, a child sometimes which would just i can't even imagine that it's the loss of our friends uh it's a loss of a business right we, mm-hmm. sometimes we just say okay it's time to fold up the tent and it, i tried my best it's just not meant to be for whatever the the reasons whatever the dynamics are Yeah. Uh, But loss is something you experience all the time. And I think the people that deal with the loss the best that can get on to the next thing quickly, you fail quickly and move on. The ones that can do that, I think, are the ones that are going to find success faster and sweeter.
0: I love that. Fail quickly or move on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I want to get your opinion on something. I'm going to give you
1: an example, Robert. Oh, go ahead. So one of my companies is called Barbecue Nation. We're in stores across the country. We sponsor a top fuel race car. It's a pretty big brand. So I had this idea for a new rub, right? Okay. So cow rub. I just drew a label. I sent that to my graphic designer. And so that's... (laughs) I love it. But the first of that, I actually had a head of a cow on there. And he said, okay, that kind of cheapens the the brand, right? And we Mm. work hard at our branding. He said, you don't want a picture of a cow because people look at a cow and they think of a pet, right? Mm. Oh, that's a cute cow. The cow smiling on your rub. So we just removed it. Instead of calling it beef, we call it cow rub. We have a pig rub and we have a bird rub different than anybody else is doing, which is part of us as a branding. We can talk about that later if you want to, but yeah, uh, yeah, that's a fail fast and move on until you find the right, the right recipe. (laughs) (laughs) I love that.
0: I love that. So, so when you were talking earlier it it made me think of something that, that I want to get your opinion on so especially in in the fitness world i hear all the time where people like i'm either all in or i'm all out and I, and i keep and i keep telling like that's not sustainable like it, it's almost it's nearly impossible to be 100% all the time. Just like you said with your 24 seven, but sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes you have to work 60, right? So does that mean that, that your plan sucks? No, that just means it's, it's reality. So one of my business coaches always says like, you don't have to be a hundred percent. You just have to be 51%. She's like, as long as you want more than you do not want it, then you're still moving in the right direction. What are your thoughts on that?
1: There's days that just don't want to go to work. You, me, and everyone listening and watching. There's just days you wake up and you feel like it's just a bad day. Whether you are physically down, whether you are emotionally down, whether your motivation and your spirit is crushed for something that happened yesterday or last week or last year, right? You're carrying that luggage, just like talking about having an injury, right? Carrying that with you for a long period of time. That holds you back. And I really believe that As long as you have your priorities straight, and when I say that, I mean your lifestyle design has to be the most important thing in your life. Entrepreneurs work an average of guess how many hours? I do a survey every year with my database. This year we had about 10,300 people respond. Guess what the average entrepreneur works per week?
0: I would say at least 70.
1: Close, 72.5.
0: Hey, if this is The Price is Right, I would have won both. (laughs)
1: <laughs> okay. That means these guys work in 90 and 100, and yeah. people like me work in 20, 30, 40, but the average is 72 and a half. And so my definition of that 24-7 lifestyle is, applies to me. But you can apply that same philosophy to a guy working 60 hours a week with his own digital marketing company. If we can figure out a way to get him from 60 hours a week to 56 through being more efficient, through offloading, through delegating, through automation, through all the things that you do to become efficient, If you can save him four hours a week, hallelujah, you just potentially revolutionize his entire life. Because now he's got four hours a week that he can reinvest back into building the thing, whatever the blue widget is. He can reinvest it into seeing his kids, staring at that big tree in the backyard, going fishing, starting a new business, playing cribbage with his dad, whatever he wants to do. That's where magic and where the secret sauce really starts to, to, to take hold. Is when you can realize those kinds of efficiencies in your life. So, um, yeah, that's a roundabout way to get to your answer. But
0: love it. How did you? How did you get into to this lane? Like, what? What did you major in in, in college?
1: Well, uh, first I was gonna because of my injury, I was gonna be an orthopedic doctor. I was pre med, okay. and actually got uh, accepted to to Stanford as an undergraduate Stanford uh, undergraduate transfer. So that I can go to Stanford Medical School. But my I went to Coeur d'Alene to live with my mom and dad. Stanford gave me a half scholarship. I had to come up with the other half. So I got a job working for a medical supply company. And by the end of the summer, I was making like 15, 20 grand a month. I had a nice sports car. I had girlfriends. like, why would I want to go to college more? <laughs> uh, because the, the the goal of college is, besides the education, is to position yourself for an income right and then the income that you have buys the lifestyle that you choose to to create and so uh yeah biological science was my major anatomical science was my minor uh with a lot of pe and other sports management type stuff thrown in there but uh i pushed hard through college and didn't didn't graduate the one semester to go is when i was going to transfer Mm-hmm. And that's when I got the job, started making some pretty decent money when you're 22 years old and never went back. That's one of the regrets that I have. And and it's on my bucket list to go yeah. back and finish up. The thing is I forgot everything about cell biology four and, oh,
0: yeah. <laughs> and, you know,
1: 400 level classes. I forgot everything. So I would probably have to switch that major into some kind of a general studies thing, uh, but that's one of the regrets I have in my life is not finishing that degree because I had bigger fish. I was yeah. going after, right, the, the bird that has something in his mouth and he sees something bigger and he mm-hmm. opens his mouth to go get the bigger thing and, and then rolls out, goes, right? <laughs> so I yeah. kind of felt like that was me for a little bit of time. Uh, but, again, there's lessons in everything if you just slow down and, and look around you to see what value that failure gave to you. Um, and I don't think it was a failure. It was just a, a misstep on my part. But it turned out to be okay because for 35 years, I've been a serial entrepreneur. I haven't drawn a paycheck. I, I, I hadn't drawn a paycheck since 1992 until 2019 when I got bored. Believe it or not, I was bored. And I there's it, it, I, there's 19 irons in the fire all the time for me. Whenever I have a new idea for a business or a product or something, I tell my wife. And she just puts her head down and does this. <laughs> anyway, I heard they were looking for a president of a minor league affiliate of the world champion San Francisco Giants, the baseball team. Yeah, And I said, I can do that. I know I know business, right? And it doesn't matter if you're selling meat, corn, bricks, tomatoes, or baseball, good fundamentals in business is the same in, in the industry. So I, I called the owner and uh, through a series of interviews, I got offered the job. I took the job for a year. We increased attendance by 13%, which is one of the best in all of professional baseball, not just major leagues, but minor leagues, everything thrown in. And then COVID hit. The season got shut down. I stepped down last March, right when COVID was hitting, uh, because I had to come back to take care of my businesses. Plus, my kids needed homeschool, right? They needed a stay oh, yeah. home dad to help yeah. with the homeschool. Um, that's the only paycheck I've drawn since 1992, except for checks I write myself.
0: <laughs> wow. I, I, I have a question. I have an answer. Has he or you ever experienced business burnout? So, but before you answer, I, I I feel like I can anticipate your answer. I feel like I can, but but let's let's just hear it from you first, and then I'll, then I'll expand okay. on it if if needed. Go
1: ahead. There's there's two philosophies on being an entrepreneur. Number one is you go look for opportunities. There's an opportunity to make money with product X. Okay, there's a lot of money there. I'm going to do product X. That's one philosophy. The other philosophy, which I've been really fortunate to be a a member of this philosophy, is you find a passion, something that you like to do, something that uh, you're you're emotional about, and you make money with that. You figure out a way to make money with that. I've been lucky. Everything I've done in my life, every business I've done, I've had a a sincere love and an interest and a passion for it. There's not one thing I've done. And I was thinking earlier this year, I've created, built, and sold 16 companies in, in my life uh, some just didn't work out And they got closed down But 16 of them I scaled and sold Offloaded And today I have four I'll probably end up selling two of them Two of them I'll give to my kids when I'm gone uh, But there's always something new right? And so the emotional burnout part When I get burned out that I know it's time for me to move on So after two to five years Is about my threshold Once I start getting bored And I start feeling Okay, this is work This is really hard work To get this done It's time for somebody else to bring their zest and zeal and their passion. But Mm -hmm. the other thing that helps with with burnout is by having this 24-7 mentality where you don't get caught in the 9-to-5 mentality, the trap of working 5-to-9 instead of 9-to-5. Just because you are an entrepreneur does not mean you have to forsake everything else in your life. And that's what a lot of the gurus are teaching you is to build the beast, Elon Musk. I love him to death. But he preaches the 120-hour work week. That's the only way to be the most success you can be is to work 120 hours a week. I say no. I say build that lifestyle first. Reverse engineer to figure out what your business blueprint needs to look like. But it has to all be congruent. It all has to fit together in what you want with your life and what those lifestyle priorities are. And it's, it's, a, it's a wave that, you know, I, for 25 years I've been preaching it and teaching it all around the world. But I now see... Especially with the COVID, I, I now see a, a wave of younger entrepreneurs that are having that same mentality. It's not about it's not about working the 16, 70, 80 hours a week. It really is about that quality of lifestyle, man.
0: Yeah, that's such an old school way of thinking too. And I know, I know. And especially now with the power of the internet. I think I, I know it depends on the industry, but like with what I do with speaking, like I have I, I have a speaking I'm speaking on a news station in Australia later today, you know, and I'm speaking at a, at a national show. I think they're they're out of some, somewhere out, somewhere out West, you know, but like, I, I don't have to leave my home. You know, right, so, it's right. so it's like, like if, if you're experiencing burnout, I mean, to answer, answer her question, have I, yes, I have when I was managing right. re- restaurants, you know, like <laughs> there were, there were days where I would just sit in the car. I'm like, I don't want to go in there. Right. <laughs> like, I, I just don't, like I was done with it. But since I started coaching in, in, at the gym, like there's never a day where I wake up like, ah oh, time to go to this hell hole. It doesn't happen because that's something that I want to do with something I'm passionate about, just like you shared. And people people are there for my for my excitement and my expertise. You know, Cause like people can Google videos, you know, on Google, on YouTube. But they, they come there for my spin on it. Right. You know, so I I have to show up being high energy and being peppy, but that's me anyway. You know, so that's how that's how how I deal with it. And then if I don't want to do something, I don't do it.
1: Well, the other way to prevent burnout, too, is there's a a 80-20 principle, Pareto's principle out there, which says that 80 percent of your results comes from 20 percent of your effort. Conversely, 80 percent of your time is spent for only 20 percent of the results. So the goal is to try to offload identify what is the the most important 20% and then do that. I even go farther. I don't think it's 80-20, not even 90-10. I say 95-5. Identify what it is in your day, in your life, in your business development that is the most important for you to do, which is the vision of the business, the forecasting, whatever it is that you do in life, and then figure out ways to do that. And then automate or delegate There's great ways to to find people. There's virtual assistants that you can hire. I have virtual assistants in six countries and they're all my payroll, you know, and and, uh, they're better at what they do than I am. You know, you hire people around you that are smarter than you and then stay out of their way and let them do their job. That's another way to kind of prevent that burnout is just to do the things that bring you the biggest ROI, the things that you are passionate about, that you love doing, and then finding other people in your circle to do the other things that kind of prevents that burnout too.
0: Yeah, I do want to want to present the other half of that. I don't disagree with any of that, but but I'm saying for me, like the fitness gurus will always say, you know, if you want your gym to grow, you know, you have to work on the business. You can't be in the business.
1: Right, right. Exactly. But but,
0: but I started it because I like coaching. It's like yeah. I love it. So when I first when I got my first business coach, I told him he's, he's like, Robert, he's like, you can't teach all the classes. I'm like, dude, that's why I got into this. Because I want to be there when they do their first full push-up. I want to be there when they do their first 100-pound deadlift and their 200 pounds. Like, I don't want to be in an office crunching numbers. Like, I, that's just not what moves me. And so... I agree with what you're saying, but mine's just reverse where I want to teach and then I'll outsource the other stuff. There you go. You know, So there it's about go. finding what your 5% is and step into that 5%. There you go. Right. Yes.
1: And don't do you agree with me? 5% is a better number than the 80-20? Yeah, I agree. I mean, they, they say niche down, niche down, niche down. Well, that's my version of the niche down. Identify this that little bit. Maybe it's just a one percent, the one thing that you need to do every single day to move the needle in your business or move the yes. needle in your life. Doesn't have to, you don't have to be a business owner to apply these principles. You can just be a, a stay home dad, like me. <laughs> <laughs> and I do I do count myself a semi retired stay home dad. I I know it sounds weird, but that is my mindset. That's that's how I approach the days. And when I get up, it's like okay, when do I get to see my kids? What are we going to do today? I coach my fourteen year old's team his baseball team. So two or three days a week, I'm out there with him, hanging out with other 14 year old, sweaty teenage boys, right? (laughs) That haven't discovered girls yet, which uh, is probably a good thing. Otherwise my son wouldn't be as good as baseball as he is. Uh, (laughs) Um, but I love that. You know, I remember when I was 14, I was a hellion, man. I, I was terrible. I bad grades. I was smoking cigarettes and drinking vodka at lunchtime and then coming back to my fifth grade class drunk. When I was in seventh grade and my mom said, uh, okay, this, this is a problem. And she was a single mom raising three kids, all that she can do. I was six years older than my brother and sister. And uh, we went into the, the, the school and there was a whole circle of all my teachers, plus the principal, plus the superintendent. Her name was Betty Jean Tiffany. This is in China Lake Naval Weapons Center down in California. And there was me and my mom with all my teachers. And one at a time, went around, and they said, man, he's got great potential, but he just is not realizing it. He's a screw-off. He doesn't show up on time. He skips class. He comes drunk. You know, we found cigarettes. <laughs> All these things, seventh grade. She said, okay, well, you don't get to play eighth grade basketball. It's like, <laughs> you don't, you can't do that to me. I'm the captain. I'm the star. I scored 30 a game. Uh, yeah, watch me. Guess what? I didn't play eighth grade basketball. But that lesson. I cleaned up, boy, I cut my hair. Cigarettes was just a fad thing. Anyway, that was just to be cool, right? And uh, I gave all that stuff up, went back to being the good kid that I thought I was anyway. But when I was my son's age, I was terrible. And so I look back, I mean, I'm so thankful. He's respectful, he's kind, he's intelligent. So is my daughter, my 16-year-old. She's an incredible, incredible talent. And my seven-year-old, you know, I'm so proud. So when I'm gone one day, when I remove myself from the equation, what Not when I remove myself, <laughs> when Mother Nature and God remove me, uh, the lessons that I've learned, hopefully I get to, to pass on to them, right? Don't touch the stove. That's not a lesson. The lesson is, kid, touch the stove. Because guess what? You won't touch it again the next time. You might, <laughs> you, might yeah. put your finger in a socket or in a toaster, but guess okay. what? You won't make that mistake again. So yep. sometimes the best lessons are to let your kids fail. You know, my daughter... 16 she's been straight a student for her whole life this is hard for her the home the homeschool stuff did not respond well she got c's and almost some d's not her style but she made it through right and in my head i'm going, okay i expect her to do better but as long as she's happy and doing the best that she can i have to be okay she says dad just stay out of it i'm 16 years old now (laughs) if i'm gonna fail i want to fail on my own it's like oh that just warmed my heart when she said that. Let me fail on my own. And I was like, okay, there's there's a lesson for dad in that. <laughs> yeah. See, and and
0: that's a lost start because just a couple couple days ago in the gym. Now I work with most mostly moms, so you know the moms are talking about their kids and 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 I kind of chimed in and because you know I'm an accountability coach as well and I'm not one to, to <laughs> not speak my mind right and i I was like honestly i said do you know why this is happening i said this is happening because you coddle them like that's why that's why this is happening it's like you do everything for them so they don't know how to process disappointment you know like they don't know how to process those things so like when um when getting back to the stove I, what I did with with my son when he was touching that, he was like four or five, I want to say. Yeah. I took I took his hand. I turned on the flame. I just put his hand just above it so he could feel the heat. <laughs> and he's like, "Oh!" I said, "See, that's See? why you don't touch the stove." And he never touched it again. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, you're absolutely right. Just saying, don't do it, it. was like there's no lesson in that. You know, you're 100 percent right. But that's such a lost art. Like coaching now, I took probably. Probably maybe a ten to twelve year gap in between coaching. So I think I last coached in nineteen. No, I coached in two thousand two, and then I just started coaching again in twenty sixteen. Mm-hmm. And talk about a difference, you know? <laughs> like, like even in two thousand two, two thousand three, you know, you could drop the hammer and these kids respond. You yeah. know, like you drop the hammer now, they're taking out the cell phones, they're trying to record you. <laughs> you know? right, 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 right. Losing yeah. his mind. Like, I'm not losing my mind. I'm trying to push you to your fullest potential. You know, it's like it's like you had to completely shift my, my approach. Like I still get my point across, but I had to, you know, just reframe it a little. Yeah, you know, so understand, so understand. so it's received properly. All right. So when when you when you're working with 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 wait, hold on, I tripped I tripped over that. So you have these multiple businesses. What is your primary? What's your primary? Uh, I don't want to say job. Focus. What's your primary focus?
1: <laughs> <clears throat> There's not one. And I think that's one of the reasons why I've been able to maintain my my passion levels for as long as I have, because I don't put it all in one basket. There's never a week that I put 40 hours into one thing. Barking hmm. Nation does very, very well. This year, sales are exploding because more and more people are cooking themselves and cooking on their back decks. And so that's exploding. Uh, we, we're sponsoring a top fuel uh, car. In the top field, the NHRA series. His name is Justin Ashley. Last year was the rookie of the year. We're one of his one of his sponsors. Uh, plus, we're in Ace Hardware's and True Values and some chains across the country. So that takes so much time. But I don't make anything. We don't ship anything. I just want to create the brand. I want to do the marketing. I want to make sure that the, 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 the branding is correct. I want to make sure that we're attaining our sales numbers. I want to negotiate the contracts. So I have co-packers. I have people that mix the spices. I have people that manufacture my meat shredder claws and the, the magnets for uh, grill temperatures. We don't make anything and we don't ship anything. That's an important part of the recipe. Uh, also have my publishing company. But you know, we For years, I had a, a traditional publisher back in New York for, for several of my books. But my last four or five books, I've self published because I know how to do it better than the guys that publish for a living back there. I know how to sell (laughs) books. Yeah. Uh, And so, but that takes effort, it takes time. You know, the the new book now, Customer Service is Dead, Delivering Six Star Service in a One Star World, came out about six weeks ago, and we've sold about 18,000 copies uh, between uh, uh, paperback and and Kindle. And that's because doing shows like this, right? Talking about the book, and people go, oh, six star. And that when you say six stars, people know right away what that means, right? It means one more star than the traditional five-star hotel, five-star resort, five-star restaurant. But I always say, what does it hurt to give a little bit extra? What does it hurt to go above and beyond for your customers or your prospects or your clients, whatever you call your people that give you money? What does it hurt to give a little bit of extra to solve their problems quickly and efficiently, to treat them like gold, to make sure that you give them an unparalleled customer experience? How hard is that? Well, apparently it's really hard because businesses don't do it anymore. (laughs) They they took the effort away from training those frontline people and put it into the digital assets, the online. And we were already going online anyway because of the internet. COVID just uh, exponentially increased that now. So even if you were brick and mortar, you had to go online in order to survive during COVID. And now coming out of it, you you have to have both, right? You got to have both lanes. Uh you should and, anyways. You should, you should, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, because like people people ask me, Are you still doing virtual classes? I'm like, Yeah, why
1: wouldn't I? Three quarters of my speaking gigs are like this now. You know, people yeah. hired me from Australia or England, and uh, I get you know several thousand dollars to sit here for a couple hours and, and teach people that are on a Zoom call, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a whole different world, but I really like it because I get to spend more time home.
0: Yeah, exactly. With my, with my kids. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. There's no driving, no travel, no nothing. You said here, flip on. Here we are.
1: <laughs> now yeah, you, have, you have. There's something you give up, right? You give up uh, a lot of the of the income you'd get from a speaking fee. Instead of getting a fifteen thousand dollars speaking fee for a platform, you're not getting twenty five hundred or three thousand. So there's yeah. that trade off, right? Yeah. But to me, the trade off is you get some of your life back. Yeah. To do with what you want, whatever that is, whatever it's, that is.
0: Yeah, see, and that's that time versus money trade off. That's that some, some people value the money more than the time. Yeah. Where, like, there's a woman that, that, that I train, she works probably seven, 70 to 80 hours a week, but like she's always on the go. You know, her toddler's act, acting a fool. And I keep telling her, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I get it. You're getting paid well, but what are you sacrificing in, in the process? Yeah. You know, so like I know it doesn't have to be a sacrifice, but when you're putting in that many hours and you're missing, you're losing sight of the things that are right in front of your face, that's when it becomes a problem.
1: See, and her definition and her version of the 24-7 lifestyle might be to get down to 72 hours and that eight extra hours could be spent with her kid, you know, yeah. um, and you can't force people to make those realizations. We all no. have our own definition of the perfect yeah. lifestyle. Well, and that's plant a the seed. Cool. Yeah, you plant the seed and hopefully there's enough water, moisture, and, and <laughs> fertile soil that it can take root and grow. Um, and all we can do is doing what you do with your coaching and do what I do with my coaching and with my writing book so people can consume uh, wherever they are in the world and uh, hopefully get a couple golden nuggets and they can apply it to their own life. That's kind of my goal.
0: Absolutely. I want to expand on failure again. Because I say in most things in life, like there, there really is no failure. You know, so like I've tried I've tried multiple lanes. I, I tried to get real estate certified, but the same reason why I dropped out of college three times <laughs> is when things when things bore me, I, I just I just can't do it. My mind just shuts down. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I tried yep. to get insurance certified. I, I made it through one one full session and then half of the next session that just walked out <laughs> so, you know like I said that's not for me i tried to sell supplements like that's not for me and and i'm a fitness guy and and still like just like i'd rather teach people how to eat well you know rather than just shoving stuff down their throats you know but but in each thing i tried i took away a lesson yeah. You know, that I could apply elsewhere and you know as being being a speaker it's all about the stories you share and how those stories are relevant to your audience. So I want I want you to go a little deeper into what failure means to you.
1: Well, I went personally bankrupt in the early 90s. Got myself overextended. Back then I didn't take measured risks. You know, that's something that I think a lot of entrepreneurs they think, oh, I have to risk everything. I got to put. It in. Well, no, you don't have to. But back in those days, I didn't have a wife and kids. I had money. I was making money, and I was risking a lot of it. Uh, I had a, a concept for a cribbage board. Do you play cribbage? Do you know what cribbage is? I've
0: I've played it not in a while, but I played it. It's a I've piece made of wood with old. holes in it,
1: right? Just piece yeah. of wood, holes in it, deck of cards. You can play it camping. It. I learned when I was about five years old from my babysitter. And it's been with me my whole life. But I had this idea to come up with what I called the Wildlife Designer Series. And so I made four prototypes. One was like a duck. One was a goose. One was an elk. And one was like a a bass. And I took them into the local Target. I said, hey, I got these cribbage boards here. They're beautiful. And they were. uh, Would you like to buy some? He bought 48 of each. And I didn't have a business. I wasn't making cribbage boards. But So I went back. I found a cabinet shop that had all the tooling and the equipment and all the automation. I said, hey, I need 48 of these times four. So a couple weeks later, I took it in order. Fast forward six months. uh, I was in every single West Coast target. Fast forward to the next Christmas. I was in every single target across the United States. Big sales. So I was taking all this money and and spending it and getting the $300,000 purchase order. And in order to make that, you got to go borrow money, right? Mm. To support it, and banks were yeah. pretty were pretty good back then about uh, loaning money against a purchase order. You just have their name put on the purchase order, so the company sends them the check. They take their money out, and you get what's left. So anyway, I was taking unmeasured risk and got myself in a hole. So I went personally bankrupt, paid every single penny back. Uh, that was the that was the arrangement I had with the court, and then they dismissed it. But that was a hard, hard lesson, you know. And, and Bob Ross, the painter, there's no such thing as mistakes. There's no such things as errors. They're just called happy accidents. And and I've kind of looked at that my whole life too. Is a mistake or a failure is just a stepping stone on your path to success, right? Sometimes you're going to step off the trail and get some poison ivy on your leg. You won't do that again, just like you won't touch the stove again, right? If you hold your yeah. hand over that, and so. Uh, telling people to, to not make a mistake is one thing But experiencing yourself is, is a whole other And so I look forward to failure I, I really do I know that sounds strange But I look forward to it Because then I know what not to do the next time Which makes me more efficient Right?
0: <laughs> yeah, and and that's not the first time I've heard that on, on this show I'd say probably probably 40 times now at least I'm just trying to count quickly in my head But at least 40 other guests have said that that they look forward from from the failure so they know what to not do again.
1: And that's a hard that's a hard lesson to be okay with. Yes. Because most of us think that failure is going to be it's going to hurt financially, emotionally, you're going to hurt your kids. Well the, the risks I take today are completely measured. I don't risk anything that I can't afford to lose. If I'm going to go spend $100,000 on a business, I will only do that if I know that if it worst case it go, it goes bad and I lose all the money My kids still get food. My kids still get shoes for sports. My kids still get their hair cut so they can be cool and fashionable. Uh, And so those are my metrics now, how I make my decisions. And I'm okay with that because I'm not trying to build the thing all the time. I build the thing so I can have my lifestyle, and that's all it's about to me.
0: So we have a very, very important question here, and I'm sure it's on other people's minds as well. Where do we find the cow rub?
1: Uh, you can't find it anywhere yet.
0: <laughs> ah, okay. It's still, it's
1: still prototype. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> just a prototype. Doesn't even have the back label it yet. Uh, in about three months, you'll see it. Well, you can go to BBQNation.net. Uh, we have spices and our accessories on there, BBQNation.net. But eventually, you'll be able to find it, hopefully, in your local grocery store and at, at your local hardware store. <laughs> it's just an idea I made up about uh, four weeks ago. Been playing with uh, recipes and, and stuff. So... Uh, that's so,
0: that's so funny that she asked that because I know. <laughs> well, because I was gonna ask too.
1: <laughs> Cause like, cause well, like, that really was your question, Robert. You just pretended it was someone else. thanks for the question.
0: <laughs> I love it. All right, so uh, she said, "Got it." <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what would you say to someone? They're in business, you know. They were hit hard from COVID. You know, the, the reality of them closing their doors is a possibility. What do you say to that person?
1: Well, let, let's, let's create an example so that uh, people can, like a real world example. Uh, let's just say that, I'll give you an example of, of me personally. I have a catering company. In 2020, which is based on 2019 results voting, we were voted the Pacific Northwest Caterer of the Year. By Lux Life Magazine. That's Alaska, Washington, Idaho, Oregon. So that's not bad, right? $600,000 worth of sales. Not bad. On big events, we could serve up to 1,200 people. I have 30, 35 employees. We went down to 20,000 last year. Wow. Um, so all these people that depended on me to put food on their tables, I couldn't I couldn't provide anymore. They had to go find other jobs that as an, as an entrepreneur that likes to employ people that hurt me. I mean, I took that to bed every single night because I felt bad. I felt guilty and the government had the PPP and there's all kinds of other things. It wasn't the same as somebody showing up to do a good, honest day's work, making money for their family and for their lifestyle choices. Um, But the real possibility of having to close a business is, is scary. So what I recommend to people, two things, number one, go back to ground zero and look at all the systems in your business every single system if you're brick and mortar you got to look at your your storefront your branding your website your shipping systems break them down into the fewest number of moving pieces and then rebuild it with fewer moving pieces so your your, your systems are now more efficient that's number one number two you need to make sure that whatever it is that you do, whatever your blue widget is, product or service, you're different. You can't be a me too and also ran a run of the mill. You have to have something different about your company. I say it needs to be the, the six star service. If you can provide that impeccable service to your customers, yeah. that alone is your silver bullet. Is As long as your business is in order, your house is in order, so to speak, um, delivering that kind of customer service is going to give your your customers no reason to go somewhere else. You know that 84% of people that go to a baseball game today, 84% of the people will not return for another game for five years. If you throw all the businesses, all the industries in one big pot, it's about 75%. So 25 out of 100 people will actually continue to do business with the business, whereas three quarters of them, 75 out of 100 people, will give you a check and then go elsewhere. After that, does not that just blow you away? So wow. if we can figure out how to take those numbers and just retain an extra 5% of people that are our customers, that becomes our growth. You don't have to go spend money on expensive ad campaigns. You don't have to go to try to uh, spend Facebook or YouTube or wherever you're spending your money, direct mail pieces. You can just focus on your customers. And that is where your exponential growth will come from. And so it's kind of taken the focus off of poor me. COVID has kicked my butt and I'm failing in business, no, don't look at it that way. Look at it as an opportunity, right? To say, okay, are my systems efficient, number one. Number two, is my brand the best it can be? Or is my brand broken? Every three to five years, you should change your branding a little bit. All the big boys do. Nike Swoosh has went through a hundred different iterations. Every couple of years, they change it just a little bit that we don't notice it mentally, but it's more modern, right? Burger King does it, McDonald's, Marriott. They all change just a little bit so it looks modern. Your brand needs to look at the same way. So if you do that and you find what it is about your business that is unique and different, look at what your competitors are doing and then run as fast as you can in the opposite direction to find something. Blue Ocean, there's a great book, Blue Ocean Strategy. Find your own blue ocean and quit spending your time in red ocean because all the the bloodletting, all the blood that's in the water because everyone's fighting for the same customers. Same product, same services. In that scenario, customers are going to pick the price, the cheapest price, if everything else is the same. And right. you will lose that battle every single time if you're trying to race to the bottom. So find something that's unique to you, unique to your industry, and then hang your hat on that, lean into that. And I think that's where the, the secret sauce really starts to kick in. That
0: was, that was amazing. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my sister has another question for you. Yeah. Do you go to trade shows with your ideas?
1: Uh, no. No, the only <laughs> trade show, I mean, well, like this year for, the, the, for my, my barbecue company, we'll do the, the National Hardware Show in Vegas down uh, in the fall. Um, and in, in the past, I have done shows. I mean, obviously, you start something small, you got to go proof of concept, you got to go do that. But I don't do that anymore. I just go, I skip a lot of steps because I know how to do that now. I don't have to put in the two years going to a Saturday market and going to the local RV show. Did that for a lot of years, but then I learned ways to not have to do that. Um, but trade shows are a great way to generate leads if you work it. If you're just there like this and you're on your phone, sit yeah. back in your chair,
0: yeah.
1: It's just save your money and save the time most importantly. But if you're there to actually work it and you have some kind of a dangling carrot, you give something to somebody for free, in exchange for them signing a piece of paper yes. with their name and email address, maybe a phone mm-hmm. number, and then you work those leads after the show, then absolutely it's it's worthwhile. But uh, I think with the digital age now upon us, full steam, there's other ways that require a less capital outlay and b less time outlay that can be just as efficient. That brings you a better ROI.
0: Yeah, if you create like an ebook or something. Just, just to give someone some some information as to what you do. Like for for me, with you know, I help people with public speaking because you know it's one of the top fears in the whole world. And so, like, I yeah. give them, uh, uh, you know, I'll help you create a core story, yeah, you know, yeah. For, for for free in exchange, you know, for for your email, name, email, phone number. And then so as they get going with that, they don't really know what to do. Then I have the opportunity yep. to upsell them. All right. Well, I'll work with you one-on-one for X amount of dollars.
1: Right. But, and my, main, my ed- main educational website is Power, P and in Paul, PowerMarketing101.com. And when you go there- Oh, you, you- mean this one? I- hey, hey, look at that. <laughs> <laughs> when, when you go there, there's a pop-up that says get the free copy of- yeah, high voltage branding go from ordinary to extraordinary, which I know is the title of this. We didn't talk that, about that. That's where I got it get, from. Get, you get this book for free just by giving me your your email address. But yeah, then I have your email. And once a month, I'll send you an e-newsletter with some articles. that's really valuable. I got about fifty five thousand people in my my database nice. with all the years I've been doing this. So um, it's just I give you something. You give me something in return and then we help each other out. That's it's kind of mutually mutually beneficial
0: yes absolutely and like this is kind of unrelated it's just more of a pet peeve okay. but 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 just like you like you said you know you give me something i'll give give you something how do you how do you feel about people like i, I don't know how big into social media you are but like on linkedin people will message me and then just pitch right out the gate
1: oh i know? totally disagree. i have some that does all the social media for me yeah. i have almost five thousand people on my and my friends on Facebook. yeah. Now and then I'll put something on there, but 95% of the stuff that goes on there, it appears to be me, but I have a, a person that does it. What yeah. I tell people, especially if you're a, the sole operator, you have a small business, mm-hmm. pick a platform, pick one, and then be exceptional at, on that platform. You don't have to do everything. The average person spends over four hours a day on social. Four hours a day. That's crazy. Dude, that's tw- yeah, 28 hours a week. That's like <laughs> that's that's a whole several days just looking at your phone, looking at other people's feeds and and watching a viral video of cats or whatever it is, because we all go down the rabbit hole. We all do that. But you have to be disciplined. If you're an entrepreneur, that's one of the disciplines you really need to have is use it as a tool because it is a great tool. Find someone that will do it for you. You should not be doing that yourself because that is the biggest time suck asset suck. And before you know it, it's one o'clock in the morning you just got through watching the 19th video because they keep giving you the next one, right? (laughs) You're tired the next day and you want to watch the rest of it. You're binge watching something. So you got, it becomes consuming. It becomes all consuming and it overtakes your life. And so I highly recommend get one platform, be great at it, but have somebody else do the postings and do the timelines and do the scheduling for you uh, and not you yourself. I highly, highly recommend that.
0: And to add on to that, for, for people that do do their own, I know for Facebook anyway on desktops, there's an app called Newsfeed Eradicator. So like <laughs> like for me, I have multiple groups that I run on Facebook. So when I log on from either my desktop or my laptops, it takes away the newsfeed. It's not even there. Oh so, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. So, you talk about the pitching. Um, now and then I'll hear about it, or I'll go on and see. Because again, I, I don't do a lot myself. I do have a LinkedIn profile, but it's not I'm I'm not there every single day reading articles and stuff. I just don't have the time. No, yeah. I don't make the time. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but when someone says, Hey, thanks for friending me, you know, I'm a financial advisor. i like to hook up with you yes. and talk out how I can help you. Like, dude, that's not what this platform is for. Yeah, it's a big turnoff and they get deleted very, very quickly.
0: Yes. Yeah. It's like at least say hi. How are you? You know, establish establish a rapport then you can say, Hey, I see you do X, Y, Z. Well, I do X, Y, Z, you know, want to talk, but you right. don't just start with your entire bio. like I, don't, I agree. Like I someone, agree. someone did that to me and I responded with, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> and, they, <laughs> right, right. and they were like, oops, my bad. Like, and even with this show, like my first several shows, like I did the whole talking points thing and but at the end of the shows, I was like, I just spent an hour with this person and I have no clue who they are. <laughs> right, 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 right. right <laughs> you yes. know, it's like I want to get I want to get down to the soul of the person <laughs> and then get into everything else. Because now as you're talking now, like I can feel where you're coming from because I know your backstory. story. Right, you know right. and it's not like you're just this guy who just created all this great stuff like well I know it, your
1: backstory too right because we've been you know well, talking yes. to each other it's a it's a two-way conversation so I know your backstory a little bit now too
0: yes and you know and it, it makes the story well I don't want to say so but it makes the show much more relatable because it's just two guys just sharing their experiences and helping inspire and uplift other people rather than you know so Mitch, where are you from? I got a you new know, idea so for
1: a show okay. Two guys and a beer. We'll, we'll, we'll launch the new show. Yes.
0: We'll take it into
1: radio syndication. Uh, you know, that's something else. Uh, I, I love repurposing my content.
0: I'm writing uh, that down. Two guys and a beer. I
1: love that. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, I, I, I had this idea to do a podcast actually about 12 years ago when it was – nobody even knew what it was. Yeah. Fujifilm. Fuji I used to be in the, the okay. professional photography industry, and I literally traveled all over the world on almost every single state teaching at conventions, national, state, conferences, all that kind of stuff. And I would teach people about business, not about how to take pretty pictures and how to do Photoshop. I taught you how to make money and have that quality of life, even back then. Um, And they said, hey, we'll pay for a podcast. It's like, what's a podcast? So 10 years went by, never thought a second about it. COVID hits, like I have time. So I launched what's called Business Edge Radio. And through that, I said, an hour show is a lot of work because it was scripted. I didn't call it a talk show. It was a teach show. So we did book reviews. I did the opening monologue. I had a short interview. Um, I did side hustle ideas, but it was all scripted. It wasn't like we're doing here, just having fun, going where it goes. It was scripted and it had to be 59 minutes and 10 seconds, right? And that Mm -hmm. exactly. Well, that got real cumbersome. It got to be work. So I said, I want to do a one minute show. Monday through Friday, we're going to call it the business edge minute. And every day I'm going to give you a different idea. Here's three reasons why you should stay hydrated. At work, here's four things you can do to maximize your commute to and from the office every day. Love that. Here's three ways that you can increase, increase your, your your closing ratios and, and sales, Monday through Friday. Well, that took off, and, and we have uh, nearly 50 affiliate radio stations. It's a podcast, too, but we have over 50 radio stations across the country that play it every single day. No kidding. And we drive traffic to our, the website because of that. Well, through all that, I said, well, this is kind of easy, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I, about a month ago, I launched the, the barbecue radio show. It's a five-minute, once a week, everything like how to cook the perfect boneless chicken breast because we all overcook chicken. It's dry, right? Uh, uh, what The five biggest mistakes that you make on your barbecue. So every week, it's five minutes as a podcast and radio. We already have several affiliates across the country that have picked it up. And we don't do that ourselves. We have um, we have salespeople that will take care of that for us. And when we get a new contract in, it comes in, it goes on the map and the map gets filled up with either red or green tax, right? So we can see the progress and that's something I do. And I, I batch record every week, I do five at a time. So it's all done one day and then my engineer takes care of the rest. Those are the kind of ideas that are – we all have those ideas in our brain. Most people will not take action on it. Most people say, oh, yeah, I got an idea for business, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Take action. There's never been a better time for you to take action. Take something that's just an idea into a side hustle or your side hustle into an actual business. This is the best time in the history of the world. There's assets out there. Last year I wrote a book called The Business Basics Bootcamp. It's eight chapters and everything from lifestyle design to sales and marketing and branding and time management. It's everything you need to start a business. There's tons of great resources out there. This is the time to do it. Quit delaying. It's fun. You'll learn lessons, and it might increase the quality of your life, right? You never know unless you try. There it
0: is. <laughs> love it. Love it. It's a perfect way, perfect way to end. But uh, I, def- I definitely got to have you back on because I, I have more questions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. two <laughs> things <laughs> I want to mention Rara, before we go is yeah. you just go to Amazon uh customer nice. service dead the other one is the business basics boot camp i mean it's 300 pages uh but it's fun everyone has read it so if you look at the reviews it's it's funny at times there's a lot of stories you get to know me because i talk in a very conversational non-business-like uh, style uh so it's just it's an easy read just go to amazon.com search my name and uh, you should be able to find those but uh it's been an honor to hang out with you and your and your tribe here, bud. I had a lot of fun.
0: Yes, as did I. This was great. Um, don't don't si- sign out yet though, because uh, I have some off air questions for you. You got it. All right, well, thank you very much for taking the time and uh, sharing your knowledge, your enthusiasm. Yeah, babe. And I gotta say, when you were talking about branding, you can tell that's that's your jam because your face <laughs> your face lit up. I was like, "Oh, he said he stepped right into his passion." That's my jam.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I love
0: it. All right, man. You have yourself a great day.
1: You too. Make it a great day.
0: Right. Right. Bye. (laughs) What an awesome show. So, again, if you're tuning in late, make sure you go back and uh, watch it from the beginning because we we dropped we dropped a lot in there, and so especially Mitch. So his passion, his his experience, his expertise. And his just overall charisma. I mean, this was just a really, really awesome show. So if you're looking to go from ordinary to extraordinary, this is definitely the episode for you. So have yourselves a great day. And I'll be back on Friday with Chandra. Have a great day.
1: You've been listening to Shut Up and Grind.